Welcome back to the Pod of Greed. That's right. Another week, another set of news and talks and discussion and fun. Week 17. Maybe a... 17? 17. I don't feel like I've even worked 17 days this year. Neither do I. Um, all right. So, wh- where do we start? Yu-Gi-Oh, I guess, right? I mean, we, I mean Yu-Gi-Oh. Gotta be Yu-Gi-Oh. That's why we're here. That is true. Um, okay. So... There are two big Yu-Gi-Oh stories right now. Two big that I think are worth uh, talking right, about. You one, say those two big ones, and I have like I think a small one. Yeah. Uh, so one is that Yu-Gi-Oh Master Duel got a new ban list. Another is a more community debate issue, kind of Konami type of topic. Okay. So one they don't care about, and one they care too much about. I don't even know which is which in that case. <laughs> well, we're gonna start with the Master Duel ban list since it. Uh, did get announced to be updating soon. Can I, can I announce this part? Can I, can I tell them? Yeah, I mean. Guys, they finally did it. Max C is banned. I mean, we wish. Uh, some people wish. I don't mind. So, yeah, there is a new Master Duel Forbidden Limited list that was announced. It's not going into effect until next week, uh, August 31st, but... It's still garnered a lot of talk and chatter. So I actually had made a video where I sort of talked about it. So I'm going to go through it relatively quickly. Um, you can, of course, you know, give me your takes. I know you don't play a lot of Master Duel, but... I'll play when Max C gets banned. Something feels uh, something feels uh, relevant. Actually, I want to come to six. So uh, the Unlimited Nadir Servant. That's good for me. I play Dogmatica. So oh, I'm happy Unlimited. Interesting. Yeah, was it two and now it's at three. It's kind of one of those like holdover things where the OCG had like That's true, because what's it doing? Limited. Nothing at all. Ancient Fairy Dragon went to three. This is like, you know, that post errata Ancient Fairy Dragon. Oh, uh, I was about to like, say, isn't that a problem? Yeah, where it's like the hard ones return and everything. So not a huge deal there. Um and Girsu, the Orcist Mech Knight, which was at two for some reason, is at three now. So all cards that kind of just were What can you do now with three Girsu that you couldn't do with two? A slightly more consistent opening hand, probably. Uh, That would be my guess. I don't really play any, like, Orcus or Mech Knight or any of those kind of decks, but... um, When I was doing my research into the uh, World Chalice theme, I remember wanting to build a kind of World Chalice lore deck. Oh, it combines a little bit of everything? Yeah, so now that it's actually at three in Mass Duel, maybe that would be a fun Mass Duel experiment. Yeah, I mean, I actually remember um, one of the later regionals I went to in that kind of era. It was like late 2019. It was like a, a regional or maybe some OTS thing. Somebody was actually playing a like World Legacy kind of lore deck and had a little bit of everything in it. And um, it was really fun. They ended up losing in time, though. They were just comboing that. Yeah, hard. they were just comboing so hard. And then like it was time and like I'd gotten a small life point lead and they lost. It was kind of anticlimactic. <laughs> but um, we take those. Um, yeah, so those all went to three. Some things went to two. Blaster Dragon Ruler Infernos went from one to two. So that's another Dragon Ruler making its way down the ban list, at least in another? Master Duel. How many Master Duels do, do they, I mean, Masters, how many Dragon Rulers do they have in Duel Links? Uh, Master Duel. What did I say? Anyway, the you said Duel Links. Um, yeah, I mean, I think like, what is it? T- Tem- What's the win one? Tempest is at one? And as long as there's no good wind decks, there's nothing to really do. Yeah, with it. so like Blaster's gone to two now. I don't really know why. I think they're just, they realize Blaster's. I mean, there's no good fire much. decks. Yeah. I mean, that, like, these Dragon Rollers are, they're they're aged out. Honestly, That's true. They're dating point. card like, design. They just, 
They have hard ones for turns on all um, across all of the effects. You can only use one of their effects and only once. So just in general, they're kind of. But don't dated. you feel that if we had all the dragon rulers, that like Dragon Link would still find the way to be annoying? They'd probably only use like Tempest because it can search a dragon. The rest, I don't even maybe title. I mean, I don't know. I don't think it would really be too big of a thing. I'd like to see it more than anything. If it ends up being chaos, fine by me. Well, it can't be chaos. Uh, it's a that's a fire dragon. Pot of extravagance has gone to to two, from three. So that definitely sounds like one of those statistical changes, just to like yeah, push shaving the off numbers a in a way. So this is an overall hit to many different control decks, uh, labyrinth, fluanderies, something like you know Eldlich or Traptics maybe would run it, although they don't usually as much. Um, even Kashdera, some builds ran like um, Pot of Extravagance, so you're running more of a pure one right now in Master Duel. So, I mean, like, it's definitely, um, it's a small just statistical hit. Yeah. I think just shave off a little consistency. One cool thing that I was saying, though, about this is that uh, it now, like, depending on where you play Yu-Gi-Oh!, every different, like, territory just kind of has a different, like, TCG, OCG, Master Duel, mm-hmm. have, like, just different rates at what, like, the pot cards are at. Because, like, the TCG put Pot of Desires to two, for instance. It put it to one for a little bit, and then it went to two. And it's still at two, and we don't even know exactly why that happened. Like, people guess Sword Soul, but there's not really any, like, hard proof that that was the reason. Hey, play Prosperity. And then, like, Prosperity's at one in Master Duel, despite being at three in the TCG. Don't play Prosperity. And then now Extravagance is at two instead of three. So it really feels like Konami's kind of just juggling these pot cards around and... Cards that draw two have always been problematic in Yu-Gi-Oh. I do think it's funny that there is just no consensus on what should be done, though. Yeah. I mean, I think that, for me, I'm one of those players where the pot cards, whether it's Prosperity, Desires, Avarice, anything, like, they just, all the recent pot cards haven't ever really bothered me. Like, I've never had any strong opinions on Desires one way or another. I've never had any strong opinions on Extravagance. So, I mean, to me... The worst thing I could say about them is maybe that, like, they're ash bait, and some people feel that they shouldn't have to waste their ash on an extravagance, and then the opponent still, like, does something. And don't waste it on the extravagance and hold it. But then if you don't, and they get, like, two free cards, and now, like, it's... So right, that's a 50-50, guys. That's called gaming. So, yeah, that's kind of their... I don't know. But either way, you it's know a what two. draw card I don't miss? More so than any of those pots. Hmm. Card of Demise. Yeah, that's one I don't like. That's that should never be. Yeah, it's, it's, Let's just keep stay gone. That could you could ban that for like I don't not like that card. That that's one of those cards. It's only at least in Master Duel. It's like only for Inspector Border Stun, like Fossil Dina. Wait, Card Demise is still legal in Master Duel? Yeah, that gets at one. I think. Okay, only one. Okay. It's so hard to keep up with all the different ban lists, but I think it's at one. Um, Luster Pendulum, the Draco Slayer, actually went to two. Was so, it at one before? Was it one before? I think this is strictly a, like... For the Draco Slayers? Yeah, kind of buffing the Draco Slayers. Although, I was reading a comment somebody left um, that it actually helps, like, Magispectors. Like, I know, like, nobody really, like, plays that. But, like, it's one of those things that can help those really older Pendulum themes that it, got I mean, a lot of use out to, of it. Because Luster Pendulum, it will destroy your other scale. You search another copy name. of it. So that can be useful if you want to look for certain names like Mumbuku and stuff. Yeah, so I thought that was kind of cool. Uh, the person even said in the comments, like, yeah, you know, I know like, nobody really knows about Magispector, but this is a small, nice, like, thing for us. So 
It's a win. It's a sound. I mean, but like when you're, you know, playing like tier five Yu-Gi-Oh or whatever, it's, old it's forgotten decks. Do they have Kieran in Macedonia? No, they don't. Okay, give them Kieran. All right, Konami. The only problem is like all the pendulum decks will just use it, and then it's just another interruption. Give everybody Kieran. <laughs> Look, pendulum decks need all the help they can get. Actually, that reminds me in Master Duel right now, the pendulum deck has kind of picked up some steam again with the release of Draco Slayers and Valence. Um, got their new like little spell. So now like you'll see like these Draco Slayer, Valence, Pendulum Soup kind of decks. I'm trying to figure out what a deck like that even does. Because Draco Slayers, I guys aren't may not be too familiar, but Draco Slayer is a very self-sufficient engine. So I don't know what Valence bring to the table. They have a fusion that can interrupt things. They can kind of out stuff with their field spells. And they are able to get going without a normal summon, I think is their key thing. Because mm. they can like put themselves in the scales, use those field spells to like summon themselves up, and then get searches and stuff like that without actually committing to a normal summon. Which makes okay. it easier to make like Electromite and Beyond the Pendulum. Yeah, yeah, that, that is good. It that goes is. on. I've been encountering it a fair bit in like, uh, it's in ranked, so. I might have to try that deck. So next is some limited cards. They limited branded Fusion from two, you might remember it went to two Whoa. in the last list, to now one. One? Yeah. But the branded deck has barely, well, I guess it's been around for a while in Macedon. It just feels like. It hasn't been that long to take to take such a big hit. Yeah, the only so something that I was gonna say, I thought that was a little bit harsh, and the main reason I think it's harsh isn't actually because I like branded particularly or anything like that. It's actually because now that Kashira is in the game and they banish things face down and they have like stuff like Rise Heart and some of their others, they can like look at your grave and look at your the top of your deck and all that. With only one copy of branded fusion, if they happen to see that and banish it face down, which they will you'll just never see that copy again. And like you'll never be able to use Branded Fusion in that game. And Branded playing without Branded Fusion is a very, very it's fair much deck. much more nerfed deck. Like, that's a, that's a... So I think they should have kept it at two maybe for that reason and instead maybe gone for, like, some of the bestial cards or something else. But it's at one now, so I think that that's just a way to make this deck really feel quite fragile. And I mean, you can search your one copy, but you better go first. Yeah, um, that grass looks greener and went from two to one as well. Personally, I would prefer this card either get banned or go to three. I mean, that's kind of my like. I think that putting it at two or putting it at one, it doesn't like it makes it an in, inherently inconsistent and therefore somewhat sacky feeling card. But that's your feeling. But statistically, yeah, I think for them, they might just be thinking, well, if we can make sure that these grass decks win a little less often. Yeah, they, they sack a little bit less. A little less. You will still feel quite sacked when it gets dropped on you, but just but, know. Yeah, and their spreadsheet. Yeah, for the other million players who aren't who are currently playing at the same time, they're not dealing with that. And that's because yeah. of the uh, hit to one. Now, it's interesting that you mentioned that because that was kind of my stance on Mastral Bandless. I still think that's largely the method they use for these. However, I think that like this ban list has changed that stance somewhat with some of the cars that got like banned and stuff. But um mm. I don't know. Uh like I don't know. I just sometimes feel like Master Duels it's stuff is so intense that like with cards like grass it really would just be better off either at three or zero. But they have different views. Uh next is Kelbeck, just one of the Ishizu cards that was at two is now at one. Alright, so. alright, I'm ready to another little slap to Shizu tier. 
Yeah. Let's see him um, push through that still. It was one of the Millers, and it was at two, and now it's at one. Uh, so that's nice. Um, and then Sprite Jet went from two to one. It's kind of a weird one since Sprite was maybe like the third strongest deck in ranked, but they hit Sprite Jet once again. It was already only like two. I mean, Sprite did make an appearance at Worlds. True, and Swap Frog went from two to one. Oh, yeah. They yeah, really so they're, really, they're, they're yeah. kind of hitting Sprite here. Now, what's a little different about this hit compared to Jet, Jet's just another consistency thing. Swap Frog is actually a, like, ammunition thing because with only one Swap Frog, it... Is like a direct limitation to how many times you can use Ronin Toten. Yeah, it lowers your ceiling. So the ceiling is lower unless you're willing to run something like Dupe Frog, but you don't really want to run that unless you have to. It sounds like they might have to. So I'll be interested in seeing where this sprite things go, but that's all the cards that are limited. And finally, we have five banned cards. Oh, and this is go. weird because, like we were saying, you know, Master Rule typically seems like they kind of try to avoid outright bans. Sometimes, but but not today. Yeah, they banned Rogominiad. Oh, good riddance. Toxic. Good, I, mean, card. I love seeing it gone. I'm just surprised. Yeah, toxic card. Agito, the ancient sentinel. So the other Ishizu card. This was the um other Miller is now just banned outright. Oh yeah, man. You better pray. Hope your deck does not make it to worlds because they coming for them. Yeah, I was actually kind of shocked. I thought they were gonna just put all the Ishizu pieces at one each. And then maybe like all the tier cards at one each. And now they say and that's done. They say yeah, that's so over. Gito's out of here. Um, Phantasmal Lord Ultimatil Bish Balkan. Yeah, if you've never heard of that card, you're probably <laughs> not alone. It's just some. It's this dark level twelve synchro that's apparently used in FDKs. Oh, okay. I mean, good, really I guess. gimmicky I, cheese effect with tokens. And I have I can't even form a mental image of what points. that card looks like. I have no idea. Yeah, it came in like a gold series. You may like. Oh, I've blade. seen that. Yeah. I, that's all I know, can say. I've seen it. I don't know. Block Dragon is banned. Thank goodness. I love that. Curse. So tired of seeing. Yeah, I, I. If it hurts my heart that there's some of y'all that were playing not broken decks with Block Dragon, you can't use it anymore. But for all the Adamantipator players, good riddance. Yeah, I do not like Block Dragon. It's just too strong. And finally, TR Laments, not Kit Kalos, but Murley got banned. Oh, yeah. Y'all, you better hope your deck never makes it to Worlds. Yeah. Kind of a weird one. So <laughs> wow. People thought they were going to ban Kit Kalos, you know, the fusion that kind of does a little bit of everything for the deck. Instead, they hit Murley, which some people would argue is actually a more effective hit. Because you're losing a tier name, you're losing a, a fusion per turn. It's also arguably the best tier summon because it mills three on summon. It's level two, which means that they can't utilize like Sprite Elf and things like that. It's overall like a really nasty hit to the deck, and one that I'm not entirely sure it's going to really be able to recover from. I think that it just makes it the deck is like this plus those um, Ishizu hits mm -hmm. just kind of makes it a deck that's going to be on stilts. and. Welcome to Cash Country. Yeah. So it seems like Cash is going to be kind of the deck to beat. Although it does not at least have its like Arise Heart and its Field Spell. So Yeah. Guys, that's I know really get out if of you're hand. suffering against Cash Tier and Mastodol right now, you know. Just know the worst is yet to come. Yeah, it gets a lot worse. Yeah, but the, so this is uh, this is the new ban list. I think it's one of the biggest ones that they've had, like maybe the mm -hmm. second largest ban list. Um, there's lots of hits. You need, but I do. I see what you mean. It definitely doesn't feel statistical anymore. Yeah, feel now like they it got feels pretty heavy -handed like it's with, with one. intention. Yeah, because up to now, I think master duel ban lists were always like a bit of a meme in that like 
weird random card went from three to two that like slightly scrapes a hair of consistency from this deck. But now it's like they, these are pretty meaningful changes. I mean, Tear is like on, you know, on life support, I think, with these hits. But and we knew that would probably have to happen. But some of the hits that surprised me the most were actually like um, I didn't know that they were going to like hit Rongo or Block Dragon ever. Like I kind of thought I'm they were so just going to be parts of Master Duel. So glad I hate Black Dragon. I hate it so much. Yeah, so those cards are gone. I hope that Chaos Ruler follows. Personally, don't like him either. Um, the branded fusion hit felt a little mean, but I was informed in the comments the other day that apparently branded really terrorizes the lower ranks. Really? Yeah, it's just, and I can see why. I mean, like, I think if you're playing, because that's that's the thing I meant to. I should have mentioned in my video, but I guess now's a good time. Um. It's interesting seeing people's response to this ban list because a lot of people are upset about the Branded Fusion hit when last list, when it got put to two, the common sentiment was that that was not hard enough. People were saying like, what? They only put Branded Fusion to two and that's the only hit to them? Branded's so busted. And so now that it's kind of fallen off a little bit in play, at least at the upper ranks, people now feel like they're bullying Branded. <laughs> and Branded didn't deserve this. But I... I'm not going to say whether like, I think it needed to go to one or not, because I'm not, like, eh. But I do think that it's just kind of interesting how, like, opinions sway so fast. Right. Like, I think that they could have hit maybe the bestial cards instead. I mean, some of them are already limited and stuff, and maybe hit, like, Lubellion uh, to one or something like that. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, I, I read in a comment that apparently the lower ranks branded is quite overwhelming just because it, it just has so much gas of fusion monster after fusion monster after fusion monster that's just like, it's just a lot to deal with. So, mm. that, that's, a, that's a surprise to me. I'm only familiar with the brand that we've seen in the uh, TCG. I'm not too familiar with Master Duel's branded. Now, my guess, too, is that since they're probably going to be releasing the last little line of um, Alba's lore cards here in the next maybe month or so, this might have been a preemptive hit for that. Like guiding Quim and uh, Bestial Dispater, like all those sorts of cards. So maybe they needed, they felt they needed Branded Fusion to be hit preemptively for that. Not really sure. I would have felt that uh, in a post tier Master Duel, Branded should, in my opinion, perform quite well, given that I think it plays pretty decently under Maxi. And um, perhaps that was why they did it. Like they felt that it. Hitting tier this hard, they needed to hit Brandon at least a little bit too, so it didn't just take tier's place. We have Cash Tira, which I don't think really counters which, them. Yeah, I mean Cash Tira, it's like it's a fundamentally different deck yeah, though. It's so. Quite different. I don't know. Who knows? Like I never know what master, these master duel devs are thinking. I really don't. Hey, master duel devs, you know we'll have you on the podcast. Send yeah. an email to uh, like a seat. to Paul. Yeah, uh, we'll pull up a chair. It's down in the description. And uh, we know we'll talk about it. I really would like to get even just the smallest bit of insight into like what really goes into these ban lists cuz like you know for a game where like the ban lists come more frequently, it feels like it would be nice to have, I guess, information. Well, people. Oh wait, they, they're anyway, Konami so. devs. They could never do that, could they? Yeah, they probably never talk. Oh, I know what you could do. Either. You should guys should do what's already done in Duel Links, and you know, have the little blurb that explains the ban yep. list changes. They they have a blurb, but it's like not a blurb about the specific list. It's just a blurb saying these are general. our general goals with every ban list. No, no, no. We we want to know specifically like why we we if you hate a deck, we just want to know. You know. Like, yeah. if you hate tier, just say it. Say it. We won't even hold it against you. We'll even pretend like we didn't hear it. 
Now, I did see that there's supposed to be a new pack coming out kind of soon. There's like a leak or something I saw. It's supposed to have like... We don't discuss leaks here. Yeah, it's supposed to have Pirelli and um, McConko. I didn't hear any of that. So, if you're interested in any of that... Yeah, if you like those decks, check it out. I've been waiting for ninjas to get added to Master Duel. It's just never going to happen. It's supposed to be a structure deck or something. But we don't no, talk we about leaks here. So. I didn't hear any of that, but I will be waiting for the day I can play ninjas. So that's the ban list for Master Duel. Um, all in all, seems cool. It's I'll keep playing as always. Definitely the most interesting ban list in a while. Uh, oh, okay. So one last quick thing about it. I was watching Joshua Schmidt's video about I know that guy. List. Not yeah. personally. Yeah, he was a world. He won the Master Duel thing. Yeah. I saw him from um, a distance. <laughs> saw him from the stands. I, I think our arms brushed each other at one point. So I'm kind of a Yu-Gi-Oh champion now. Yeah. Uh, I got a little bit of that champion DNA. Well, not like that. I mean, maybe. Oh, no, 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 maybe. Anyways, um, he was saying how, like, this is kind of, you know, copium, as the kids call it, but that maybe these hits are leading to them eventually banning Max C. And the reason he thought so is because they're banning the more obnoxious things, like Block Dragon and Rongo, means that maybe they're trying to get those out of the picture. Because, like, normally those are allowed to exist since Max C is allowed to exist because it kind of keeps the wild special summon spam decks in check. So maybe if they are slowly chipping away at these sorts of cards, it could pave the way for Max C to finally get banned. I think that's unlikely. I hope so. You know why I hope so? Hmm. So that Konami can make Max C plus. It's an extra deck monster that you can just spit out whenever your opponent special summons, and you draw a card every time you special summon. It's a link one monster to... Uh, yeah, quick summon it. Yep, quick play, inherent summon. What do you think about that? Uh... I hope not, honestly. I like Maxi. I'm a Maxi uh, apologist. Um, I liked the TCG when we had Maxi, except when I played combo decks. But um, I didn't like what the TCG turned into once we got rid of Maxi. So, yeah, you feel like maybe. I mean, do you think this could s- signal that they might be trying to ban it? No. I think they're trying to hit things that. Make the Macedon experience less fun. Where if you oftentimes Yu Gi Oh players can point to the things that make the uh, experience not fun for them, and you don't have to be like very into Yu Gi Oh, you can just be like a common Yu Gi Oh enjoyer. And when your opponent starts spamming Block Dragon four times in the turn, and you've you've you were you're losing, but you've been losing for like the past five minutes now because their turn's still going. That, like that's block dragon. Uh, when your opponent is FTKing you with some crazy combo you've never seen before, when with and Rongo's on board, yeah, like that's Rongo. Max C doesn't kill you. Max C may stop you, but the beauty of the beauty of that is if Max C has truly stopped your turn, you're going to lose this game. You can hit the quit button right now. Yeah. I think that's actually, uh, that's pretty much always been my view on it, is that, like, Max C, it just gives people a fighting chance. I know it's, like, broken as hell and all these other problems, but I think for the casual person or just for, like, kind of the average player, Max C is not the first thing they point to when they say the things they don't like about Yu-Gi-Oh. The first thing they point to is the deck that does not stop summoning, and there's, like, a lot of those. And oftentimes the problem with Max C is those decks using Max C. It, it feels especially horrible when your opponent has comboed off. You didn't see your hand traps. They've built this crazy board. You're, you have a, a slight grain of hope 
in your opening hand. And then they maxi you. And then maxi. And it's like. So I got a hot take on that, actually. What you got? Um, About, because you know, like people will complain. They'll say like maxi is so broken because like when my opponent combos off and they have maxi, then I just lose. Or at least that's what they'll say. Mm -hmm. But, and I, I know that it's not always this way, but in my experience, like in Diamond and Master Rank lately, this last few months now. I actually don't mind when people maxi me after their combo. And the reason I don't is because usually they've gone through so much of their engines and their extra deck that the cards that they draw actually aren't as useful anymore. So, yeah, like, it's redundant cards. So, like, I, yeah, it's kind of redundant stuff because, like, sometimes, like, so take a deck like Ad Emancipator or like some of these, like, crazy punk, bestial, whatever hybrids that just go through, like, Combo you know, several things. Yeah, just these combo city decks, right? Or it's just they, everything hits the fan. If you use, like, say, Dark Ruler No More on them, right? That's one of the cards I use. I use Dark Ruler No More, and so now I can, like, play around their board or whatever. Mm-hmm. If they max see me, it's not, it feels depressing, but then I'll still just make my stuff, swing over all their cards, and on their next turn, yeah, maybe they drew, you know, like, six, seven, eight cards, but it actually tends to not matter because their extra deck has, like, it's been depleted. You know, four or five cards left, and it's not combo pieces. It's not boss monsters. It's just, like, little half-out type cards. And usually that doesn't actually end up... Again, you know, doesn't happen all the time, but I think that what I would say to people who just simplify Maxi down to the... If combo decks see it, then they automatically win thing. Give it a... Try to play through it. You might surprise yourself. Because I've had people just outright quit. Like, they Maxi me... I play, I clear their board, and even though they drew 10, they just still can't actually play because That's they're just hilarious. out of stuff. hilarious. Yeah, so it doesn't happen all the time, but just something to think so about. So wait, is your tip here, play Yu-Gi-Oh? My tip, yeah, is as it happens, stop letting the kind of emotional aspects of cards like Maxi get you so tilted into believing that like the outcome has been made. Because I'll tell you one thing. I, I've been playing so much now I've seen it all. Like, I really, like, I've seen the deepest, you know, reaches of how weird and crazy and, like, fringe case stuff that can happen in Yu-Gi-Oh! now in, like, Master Rank, just playing, like, Tear and Cash and Branded and, like, Sprite over and over and over. Like, I've seen it all. Do not for a second believe that Maxi just decides it. I think if you're one of those people who, like, you see Maxi and you're just, like, you have this meltdown and you quit, you know, that I think it sounds like issue. a skill issue. Like, actually, because, like, at least try. I'm not saying it's a guaranteed win. I'm saying try. Like, I don't think that enough people, like, try. So Push your opponent. See if they actually exactly. are that good. See, see, exactly. Like, see if they can truly, like, you know, do what they need to do. Because I'm telling you, if you clear their board and they don't have a lot left, like, the, the engines have been kind of run through and the pieces are dead. Like, some decks can still play and they might beat you. Others, not so much. You'd be surprised how, like, slightly fragile some of these combo decks actually are so that's your old maxi tip for the day because you can complain about it all day long but as long as it's legal you got to do something so that is true or all right wait patiently until it goes the way of rongo bongo yeah and maybe they eventually ban it and you don't have to worry about it anymore and cry your way to sanctity but until then you got a deal all right next thing is some uh community news and what the community news and about yeah, so right now there's this kind of conversation in Yu-Gi-Oh! Ruxin made a video on it today, or yesterday, I guess, when you guys are listening to this. Um, and I kind of made a video about it, and a few people have been talking about it. The value of, or the perceived value of sealed Yu-Gi-Oh! product has gone down a lot. 
And it's causing a lot of issues for players, card shops, and um, it's something that Konami kind of needs to solve. So what I mean by this is, you know, they've recently released Legendary Duelists. Soul Volcano. Volcano. Uh, Duelist Nexus, you know, Wild Survivors, Cyberstorm Access. Some of the recent sets, the Battles of Legend one, have been not very good sets, I guess, by most people's standards. They don't have a lot of money cards in them. And well, Soul Burning Volcano has uh, has has Salamangre, Sunlight Wolf as a Ghost Rare. Um, yeah. Duelist Nexus has. Um, yeah, Revolution Zingron, I guess. If you're into yeah, that. yeah, that card's so, great. Yeah, but so the issue that's been happening is that like a lot of these packs are having just not enough like valuable pulls, and so um, if you look up like Soul Burning Volcano right now on TCG Player, a box is like thirty four, thirty five dollars for thirty six like packs sealed box. That's extremely terribly low. That is cheap. Now, not only that. But, you know, even Duelist Nexus, which is a green Duelist set, by the way, those are kind of supposed to be known for, like, kicking off the new generation, the new era, like having Illusion strong staples. Monsters. Yeah, Illusion Monsters. Um, 50 bucks, like $51, $52 for a box. Wow, and that's crazy because I noticed the, um, the Chimera king of the phantom beast fusion monster actually went up in price and it's yeah. still only 50 dollars a box yeah i mean it, like the chimera thing's about 20 bucks i saw yeah but like yeah so that set's kind of low value and then of course you know you can go further back wild survivors battle legend so the issue right now is that card shops are there are some card shops that have announced they are no longer stocking Yu-Gi-Oh products or they're going to stop very soon because Yikes. the cost that it is for a card shop to buy them and then sell them and then have players like not purchase so like okay Typically, a card shop will be able to, and I'm just using rough numbers, but they're pretty close. A card shop might be able to buy these boxes from its distributor for, let's say, $45 to $55, depending on if it's like a main set or side set. Okay. So if they have to pay like $50 on average for a box of Soul Burning Volcano, then when they sell it, like put it on the shelf for sale, they're going to obviously have to like, you know, make a profit. They've got employees to pay. They've got bills to pay. They've got, you know, licenses. So you charge 99 so, well, no, but so they'll charge maybe like $70. And the issue here is that, well, they charge like 70, like $69.99, or $74.99, something like that. The players aren't going to buy that because A, I could buy a cheaper box on TCG player. And B, even the TCG player ones aren't really selling because there's just nothing good to pull in the set. But players will see that and think, oh, my LGS is being greedy. They're overcharging for this box that's like clearly not worth anything. I could just go online and get it. But it's not, at least in my opinion, entirely the LGS's fault. They did buy something at like one cost, and they have to price it a little higher than that because they got to keep the lights on. Well, it's the player's fault because if they don't buy the product, then of course the uh, sh- the shop is not going to want to buy as much. Yeah, so that's where the next part of the problem comes in. Um, you should probably clarify. I'm not actually like at least I'm not saying it's actually the player's fault. But, you know, to present that side of the argument, I'm assuming that's not what you're saying either, right? I, I, I might, I, I could be saying a lot of things. I mean, what do you, well, what do you think so far? I am, I am, I am a third party and I believe that there are the, there are, there are the parties affected. That's players and card shops. And we'll leave the, mar- the overall market out of this. But I think there's one ruling body that's ultimately responsible for all of this. Yeah. 
So we'll, we'll give this player's perspective thing is players see this, they don't want to buy things. So it'd be easy to say, okay, well, it's the player's fault, right? They should just, you know, suck it up, buy these things, support their LGS. And even if it's not worth, like, worth your money to buy the package, you still do it anyway, mm-hmm. which isn't really a fair thing to say. Because, well, I mean, you shouldn't have to, like, feel pressured to buy, to buy these things. You're not a villain, you know, for not buying them. Though I do think the sentiment of don't buy sealed and always buy singles has been too popular of a sentiment within the Yu-Gi-Oh! community. Yeah, I'm going to get to that because I have some thoughts. Uh, sounds like you do, too. So, players don't really want to buy these packs um, for, the, for these sorts of prices. And so, they'll say, okay, my LGS is being greedy or, you know... Wherever the economic, the products suck, I'm not buying them. I'll just buy singles instead. And buying singles makes some sense. Uh, I think in the sense of being like self-serving, it's perfect, right? Mm-hmm. Why buy these sealed products? Why gamble when I can just, you know, get my clear cut? Like I just need three copies of this. I'll just buy these three copies. I'm not going to play Konami's little gambling game. And I get it. So I do sometimes think, though, that maybe it would be in people's best interest to like, Buy a random pack or two every now and again just to support your shop. But Yu-Gi-Oh! is such a mature game that I think that we've lost some of the uh we've lost some of the like fun for that. Like the the wonder in our eyes is kind of magic. Yeah, the magic sort of faded. Like people know what's in each set. They know everything, like what it costs. They know what's gonna be like meta relevant, what's not. And they're not, you know, the idea of just buying a Yu-Gi-Oh! pack simply for the joy of opening, like somebody like Larry might. Or, you know, like That's a random short kid supply or something. in this community. Yeah, it's it's a little bit in short supply. And so um, that sucks. But then we get into the last party, and the party that I think is ultimately responsible for all of this is Konami. Yep. These products have been... Um, well, there goes that camera. You guys get our face cams for the rest of this. Yeah, we have no idea why it keeps doing that. But um, either way, yeah. So then you get the... You get to Konami. Where they got to make better products. It really comes down to that. I mean, they, there have been years where, like, there have been lots of really strong Yu-Gi-Oh! sets. And there have been lots of stuff that's, like, worth opening. Uh, this year, for some reason, not maybe as much so. I don't know why with Soul Burning Volcano, they didn't... It, like, you know, like the last, the Water Legendary Duelist set, yep. at least put in Forbidden Droplet. And people were, were pulling so, it for no other reason than to get droplets. Yeah, so people were opening it just to try to at least pull droplets. They didn't pull anything of the sort in the set. I think they could have done, like, a... Ghost rare ash blossom or Ooh, that would have been hot ghost. Yeah, ash? ghost rare ash blossom, right? Instead of like Sunlight Wolf. Or like Kirihara Div Incarnate. You know that's like, like a fifty dollar card? Oh, the Sunlight Wolf? No, I'm talking about Div Incarnate. Yeah. So imagine like a ghost rare version of her. <sighs> I know she's gone up. Like so I mean I think that they could have done something with this set. And, and Sunlight like, Wolf is only in the forties. Yeah, so I think that that's, uh, it's really on Konami to make better sets here. Or maybe even release less. That was something that Ruxin kind of had said in his video, is just that maybe there's just too many sets coming out, and like the perceived value of them is maybe decreasing because of that. But if you release less, and there's still underwhelming sets, won't people just be like angrier for longer? Yeah, I feel like you got to kind of hit both, right? Like you got If you're going to release less, then the sets that you do release are going to need to be good. So what do you think of all of it so far? Like, what what do you just, where do you? I mean, so this is all from the angle of being a normal competitive-esque Yu-Gi-Oh player. Mm -hmm. But for us casuals, yo, we've been eating. I don't know what to say. Uh, I mean, they made an entire set just for us. Soul Burning Volcano or whatever. 
like it's just a casual set like and then for there's nothing for competitive types in there so like and they people have been so nice they've driven the prices down on the boxes so that we can get everything we want honestly this last set is a win for casuals everywhere now I I just don't have a lot more to add than what I've said as far as the quality of the products. But what I do have something to say about is player mentality around, uh, like, opening sealed product. I mean, we all remember where we were when we first heard the phrase, like, uh, you know, don't buy sealed, buy singles. And many of us adopted this stance because it was more efficient on your wallet. But I think that did real damage to the culture of Mm Yu-Gi-Oh. Yu-Gi-Oh is a trading card game. Trading card games have always had a a relatively simple formula. You You buy a pack or maybe a couple packs... Of, the, of a given set, you know the set list, and you know that cards have certain rarities and certain cards are harder to pull than others. And you open that pack with the hopes of pulling something really rare or cool. But you, we might, you might remember at one point you were happy to get almost anything in a pack. But in the last, let's say, decade, I feel that we've become kind of greedy and we've lost sight of what the, what Yu-Gi-Oh is like soft gambling is the name of the game. Konami never promised anything else. No card game has. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I think like what I would say about it is that um, there's this weird thing that, is it's there's this easy trap to fall into and this is me trying to be like considerate to all parties involved in this so it's like players card shops and like konami is that um we've gotten very jaded like i think that the buy singles thing is like on paper it makes sense right if you just want to efficiently build decks you should just buy the singles it will expedite the process and it will save you time it can save you money it you know You'll get your deck and you'll be happy. You'll be done. But I do think that sometimes the ramifications of that aren't always immediately evident, but like they do exist. So like if your card shop is charging, you know, $60, $70 for Soul Burning Volcano, it's a bad deal for you to buy it, right? You probably shouldn't. But what you can do, and I said this in my video, and I think a lot of people sort of misunderstood me, is you can still buy a pack or two of it every few weeks. And what you have to do is sort of let go of your need to, like, get a profit, right? Like, oh, here's this card I can pull. It's worth 19 and so I buy this pack for 3 bucks, and I pull it, then I plus 16 Sort of let go of that and just buy it just for fun. Just open it. I get it. I know that, like, that sounds like a scam. But what I'm not asking is that you buy a box. I'm asking that you buy a pack. I'm not saying you do one every day. I'm saying you do one every two weeks players can't afford packs because they're too busy buying singles yeah and see that i think is a real issue is because like people don't just buy packs for fun now i know there's people who are hearing this and they're like well like why would i buy something that doesn't you know benefit me or whatever because if your card shop stops stocking Yu-Gi-Oh cards then suddenly the problem starts to get a little bit bigger 
Because now, when the big sets come out that are good, like maybe Rarity Collection or something later this year, Age of Overlord, and your card shop simply isn't buying any because they saw, okay, Yu-Gi-Oh! players just don't buy this stuff, then now they're not stocking those sets. It's suddenly harder for your community to get those cards. And suddenly, maybe, just maybe, Yu-Gi-Oh! is beginning to slowly fade from your local scene. Now... Now, stop for just a moment. You're probably thinking, oh, Al Paul, so you're just blaming it all on the, on the players, right? You're I mean, saying that we're it, killing it, our it, scenes. Yeah, it's, it's their and fault. It does sound, and it does sound, um, it sounds like I'm saying that, but what I'm saying more so is that, yes, the vast majority of this is on Konami. It is still important to try to, like, you know, just allow yourself to support your game shop a little bit. Like, I really don't think that as many game shops are, like, greedy as it, sounds there are some that you know mark stuff up and scalp things but i think that the average game shop isn't trying to do that i think what's important to remember is more so than you the player being like important in all this you know what's more important than one player card shops card shops are actually the pillars of the Yu-Gi-Oh community without card shops we actually have nothing. Yeah. We can't just go back to playing in Toys R Us and Books a Million anymore. That's done. That's That ship has sailed. Yeah, a lot of people don't seem to understand, too, that uh, card shops often operate on pretty thin margins. Like, they're not making loads. It's more of, like, passion projects. And, I mean, a lot of times, like, at your average card shop, you're allowed to walk in, sit down, play, and leave and not buy a thing. And many people do and that. many people do exactly often. that, right? But, like, they still have to pay to keep the lights on. They still have to pay, like... Shipping costs and the fee whenever you swipe your card, like the credit card fees, they've got employees to pay. They've got like all kind of internet and like stuff. That soft gambling directly provides you with a place to play. You're not your soft gambling isn't just going in Konami's pocket. They've already been paid for the product. Yeah. Now, uh, so up to now, like I said, it sounds like I'm just saying, oh, it's all these players' fault, and that's just the end of it. It is not. Now I think is the time to speak directly to Konami. Because I know at least one of you little buggers is listening to this podcast. I'm sure one of them does. Maybe they all are, and they hate it. Yeah, they hate all this stuff Paul's got to say. Here's where I speak to Konami. You guys have to do better. And I mean that, like, not just in the, like, Yu-Gi-Oh! way, but in the, like, as we'll discuss later in this podcast, there are other card games coming for your neck. And they're not all, like... Like, a lot of these, are, they're hungry card games. Does it rhyme with the Dark Magician Duelist Arcana? Yeah, it does. It's, I mean, they're, they're you know, Lorcana just came out. Grand Archive, Shadowverse. There's, like, a lot, it, there's, just, there's a lot of other card games <laughs> out here. Hey, listen. Listen. I know it sounds like that's, like, nothing, but it, Konami, I don't know that they can, like, kick the can down the road with these Yu-Gi-Oh products forever. Because these sets have kind of been shit this year. Like, they really have. These last few sets have not been good. And I don't mean that they haven't been good from, like, you know, they're creative and they're cool. And, like, there's some really neat archetypes. But, like, the value proposition in terms of, like, card rarities has not been good. I'm going to go out and say it. I think that the 25th century, quarter century secret rares were not, they haven't really helped. I think Not at all. They've diluted sets. I think with Duelist Nexus and that Battles of Legends set, they, they, they just, they... Spread it way too thin. There's 25 quarter century secret cards in Duelist Nexus. But, like, people were liking Starlights more. Starlights were actually, like, really hard to pull and made sets feel, like, fun and valuable. 25th doesn't seem to be hitting. 
It doesn't like I think there's too many. I don't think they look as good. And I honestly just don't think that like it's the solution that we need. I think that there's a lot of other good solutions. I think you can do things like, you know, having uh, the same card be available in like multiple rarities. That's something that like Pokemon and stuff does. Right. You can get like the common or rare version of it. And then you can get like the ulti or you can get the alternate art. Like we got to have some alternate arts. I really think it was a miss not to like have like a ghost rare Ash or a ghost rare Div Incarnate as opposed to Sunlight Wolf. Right. Sunlight like, Wolf, a card that no one is currently playing. Like that's to me, it's unexcusable. And then also, I think like we have to. I don't know what Konami's deal is right now with like these not just reprinting good staples in some of these side sets, but I think that's a missed opportunity too. Like, well, the staples are for the Megatons. They got to save them for the Megatons so they can sell more of those. Yeah, see, that's not because like I. I think they could have put better staples in these sets, too. I mean, like, what a lot of people want is, like, they want staples. They want, like, this is something where, here's what, you know what? How about this? Everybody who's listening to this, if you're listening, like, on YouTube especially, leave a comment. What could Konami do to improve sets? I think there you will find so many different things. And I'm not saying just, like, okay, everybody gets all the secrets they want in every pack. Obviously, that's not Every pack has two secrets. But, you know, like, what are realistic things? Because I think people want alt arts and people want special rarities and, like, chase cards. But they also just want good value. And right now, it just doesn't feel like Yu-Gi-Oh! products are offering enough value. And, like, you might be able to get away with the fact that a bunch of us are addicted gamblers and stuff and are heavily invested in this game, right, for now. But I'm telling you, that doesn't, like, you can't run on that fuel forever. Like, that, that is a well that will run dry when, like, new games are showing up and offering people you know alternatives i mean i really feel that Yu-Gi-Oh products this year have been pitting card shops versus players quite a bit more often than in what i would consider is normal yes because it it built there's a certain resentment between card shops and players shop owners are upset with Yu-Gi-Oh players because they don't buy as much product as they order and Yu-Gi-Oh players are upset with their card shops for overcharging on like these products because the Online prices keep bottoming out, or at least lower than what a car shop, shop can feasibly yeah, what match. they want to match. So yeah. it's it's pitting players against card shops, and once again, we need those. We need card shops to have a place to play in. Yeah, yeah, Konami, you're always going to have players, but you may not always have card shops. Yeah, and so I I say this because like you might have thought like okay, well I'm just saying it's the players' fault, or, or I'm just, or I'm just defending this or that. No, what I'm really saying, like, to be completely clear, and I'm going to link this time code when someone leaves some comments saying, no, Paul, this is no. This is my, like, true opinion on it. Konami has to do better. We as players can do a little better. We can try to buy more packs from the card shop. We can try to support our LGS. And card shops can try to, you know, mitigate profit margins, this and that. But at the end of the day, it's Konami's responsibility. Yeah. They have to make the better products. It is not, like, the onus is not entirely on us. It's not entirely on our card shops. And I think you made a good point that, like, it's pitting players against like this market and these card shops. And it kind of creates this tension that is really, I'm going to say it is kind of more, that's on Konami to solve. I agree. And if you guys want to defend yourselves, you know, we'll have you on the pot. We'll pull up some chairs. Yeah. I'll I'll have a chat uh, with Mr. Konami. And then we'll, you know, we'll talk. I know you can't do that because you work for Konami, but what you can do is make a blurb. Oh, they can't even do that. Well, so I don't know. That's, I don't want to call it like I rant, but I guess it turned into one. I, I just, I don't, what I don't like is that it has to always turn into kind of this like battle of takes. 
Like it's someone's take. Like, you know, is the players are too this or the cartoons are too that. And like, so I apologize if it feels like I'm like coming after you and saying that, you know, you should maybe support your LGS. The truth is it's just Konami. Like they really have to do a little bit better. I think that there are things they've done pretty well this year, mm-hmm. but this is not one of them. So, and, the, and like, you know, better products benefit everybody, right? Better products makes you give players happy. That makes them buy more product. And then card shops make more profits. And then they want to buy more product themselves. Yeah. It can win, be a win-win, win, but it's it's rough. All right. Uh, anything else on it? Uh, Halloween. I, we, we was on that. I, yeah. I, think we, I think we killed that topic. Like, that topic is gone. Cool. Well, um, got a normal story then? I think that's all the Yu-Gi-Oh I can take for now. The uh, uh, just a quick thing. Uh, okay. So I think the product release for uh, Fire the Fire King structure deck went out. Oh yeah, some new product releases. That's true. Yeah. What do I? Funny have? we talk about that now. Yeah. Right. So uh, a new version of Fire King High Avatar Garanix takes the field. It can rise from the ashes or fly down. Oh, let me guys. I'm on my phone as because I don't have my tablet. I'm not texting while I'm on the pod. Um. What's the thing? Rise from the ashes or fly down from your hand. Anytime one of your fire monsters are destroyed, then pump up its own attack by consuming another monster from hand, deck, or field. I wonder if that. I wonder if it destroys the monster from deck. That would be they've crazy. Been, they've revealed all the cards, actually. Wait, they're revealed? Like, officially? From the OCG. We don't talk about leaks. Yeah, the OCG has revealed all the fire. King wow. Stuff, so. so what? This product release is just too late? Well, you know, it's in typical TCG fashion. It's All right, Konami. Now, that said, though, they have... I mean, this is them confirming a date for the TCG. It is. So. It is. I saw the date. It was in December at the very... December 7th is the release date for this deck. That's all this amounts to because you already know all this. I just don't because I choose not to read leaks. Yeah. Well, um, the Fire King structure comes out December 11th. Grab it. December 11th? Oh, December 7th. Or is that what you said? December, I thought seven. December 11th. I might have said 11th. Okay. I meant 7th. December 7th. Also, that does remind me, they announced the uh, Yugi and Kaiba accessories as well. Oh, yeah. The sleeves. 25th anniversary. Sleeves, playmat, there's something else. Deck box and a portfolio. Deck box and portfolio. Yeah. So. Uh, um, I want the mat. Yeah, I mean, the sleeves and the mat seem cool. I can pass on everything else, but... They come out next February. Yo, they need them deck boxes that Amanda LaPalm be putting out. Yeah. Instead of these little them hard plastic things. Konami should buy her. Like just, just like here, just buy that company. <laughs> I don't know Let why. Them make the Yu-Gi-Oh accessories. Why does every indie like TCG accessories place make better products than Konami? So well so um <laughs> Yeah, those are coming out next February. Which I think is like a little weird because they're like, yeah, it's the uh twenty fifth anniversary like is that over then? Yeah, it will be over then and what took so long? Because that's like, not been the, an OCG, OCG for a minute. It's like the beginning of the year. I don't know. Yeah. Like it's, and the thing is, these products are like the same. Like, it's the same image of Yugi and Kaiba. And now I know, like, this is not me complaining about it being DM pandering. I get that. But I'm just saying, like, these products have, like, released in Japan, like, months ago. I don't yeah. know why they, like, waited this. I guess they had to try to get these gold pride things that they've been launching this last month. could have pushed that back. So like, I know they try to space it out. It just kind of feels a little late. It's like... 25th anniversary, it's over, though. So, yeah, yo, we're in August. For a lot of, like, students, a new school year has started. <laughs> like, yeah, so. That's really late for the 25th anniversary. I, that's a little bit weird, but if you want to get them, they exist. In fact, so, they do. Or they will exist in February. 
All right. Uh, okay. Now that's everything I had to say about Yu-Gi-Oh. Cool. I got another story. I got something about magic. Let's hear it. And it, it mixes into to a topic I love covering here on the pod. Um, okay. This story is a little old, but it was my first time seeing it. MTG designer reveals future MTG sets could be made with AI. Oh, dear. Yeah. God, I'm already exhausted. Let's see. What do they have to say about this? I want to hear exactly how they plan to use AI in their card game to delight their players. I'm trying to find the uh, the quote in here. It's hard to fish that out. I, for, it should be easy. If I picked up this story, but for the life of me, I'm just going to start from the top. Screw it. It says, while we may receive upwards of six brand new MTG sets each, yet... This is, okay, I see. While, while we may receive upwards of six brand new MTG sets each, yet designing Magic the Gathering takes a whole lot of work. Typically, Wizards of the Coast has a two-and-a-half-year development cycle with rigorous, rigorous design and playtesting. While this long development is vital to ensure sets aren't riddled with game-breaking combos, it's understandable Wizards may want to expedite the process. Previously, when looking to speed up development, throwing money or personnel at the problem was the best bet. Many people do that, except for Konami. Uh, recently, however, artificial intelligence has been making waves by potentially accelerating development like never before. In just seconds, AI programs such as ChatGPT can complete work that would have otherwise taken hours, if not days. Okay, so like they're talking about using it for art or for... Both, actually. Or just um, straight up design cards? <laughs> Yeah, so toward the start of the AI boom last year, we covered how programs such as Doll E2, yeah, Doll E2 and Midjourney could revolutionize art in MTG, providing impressive generative generative arts in seconds. Oh, fucking god. <laughs> I hate AI too. Currently, while it's far from the only program out there, ChatGPT by OpenAI is the go-to artificial intelligence program, providing text rather than images. ChatGPT has been used by coders, writers, and even lawyers with varying degrees of success. Yay. To be clear, that AI lawyer thing didn't really work out. Okay, so what did they what did they say? Um, that, that, that's what I'm looking for. Because I want to see, like, I want to hear what, the, what they've got to say about this. As soon as I find the quote. Okay, here it is. Woo! It took me too long to find okay, this. Okay, thank God we'd have to <laughs> hear them pad out this article that was right. probably AI written anyway. Anyway. All right, so responding to a recent question on their Q&A blog, Mark Rosewater revealed their current stance on AI, stating, I believe there will come a day where AI is a tool we, we will use for design. It appears that it's, a, it's only a matter of time. Oh, that's it? That's just a quote? That is. It's only a matter of time before what? Before they use it for design. Oh, okay. So it's not really, so I guess it's not as doom and gloom as it, like, he's, they're not like, I thought it was more of a, like, yeah. we are currently experimenting with this, and, like, That's we what will be I using thought. it in the next year but or something. But when I had to scroll, like, two pages down That's in the, the article to actually find the quote, which I thought was way more substantial than it was. So basically, they, he vaguely said something about He's AI. He's optimistic about AI in the And they industry. turned it into this, like, long Huge. article. Because, Paul, at, that was only ads. halfway through the article, and I scrolled a okay. lot. Well, well, let's make this interesting, since it's all a waste. Um, <laughs> what do you think of the idea of using AI for a... It's specifically in the context of a trading card game, like design art and stuff. So, I think it's not perfect. I think it's a very imperfect... Uh, tool to use all right because 
the the quick the quick benefit of AI to make car to making cards, you can re, you can successfully yeah, significantly reduce the amount of manpower you have in R and D, right? Yeah, you know it would it would just generate the artwork and generate the effects. But I, then I think you would then have to shift a lot, if not all of that manpower, into like Q and A, Q and A, quality and assurance. Oh, Q. Oh, okay, because. AI just spits things out. Yeah. And it doesn't always make, like, perfect sense. And even if you could get the AI to make sense, how good is an AI at making balanced cards? So I think that AI... I think using AI for art, like art card assets, <laughs> stuff like that, possible. I, I don't like it. Weird hands everywhere. But, like, possible. Um, using it for card balance, hell no. I think that's the worst... Like, I don't think that that's feasible at all. Like we already don't like the way Master Duel is balanced. Can you imagine if a computer was actually in charge? Yeah, I mean, like I think that there's uses in terms of maybe like data interpretation. Like I have the uh, low key hot take that sometimes they just use AI to make those Master Duel ban lists, but well, not really. But like maybe. Um, but like I think having it write the cards, no way. I think having it like do art for the cards. Possible, although, like, I Weird think the one thing that Magic, I think, does better than Konami is that, like, you know, they credit the artists on all the cards, like, for the artwork and stuff. And so that would be lost, and that sucks. Now, I'm sure they feel they could save loads of money and not have to commission all these artists to draw these cards. We can Even just have- though the artists are, like, a beloved part of the MTG community. I mean, at all those conventions, yeah, they bring the artists and people so, get their cards signed. Apparently, they're not so valuable that they can't be replaced. Mm. I don't know. I mean, I don't like the idea of it, but I'll say this, and this is, like, this isn't a defense, to be clear. If somebody was starting a card game now, like today, like, kind of from scratch, an indie card game, I'll admit I could see AI could be, like, a somewhat useful tool to just, like, because you think about, like, okay, if I want to make a card game Mm -hmm. and I'm, like, a regular person, I just can't afford artists. Like, it's just not really possible. Art's expensive. Art's expensive, and, like, you know, I'm having to make, like, you know, a few hundred cards to start out. Right. I see where there could be some value in using something, you know, like, generating the art, especially if it's kind of a... Your typical high fantasy game. And just to be clear, while I do see what he's saying, I disagree. Go, I mean, go ahead. I just disagree with AI art in general. Yeah, I hate no, this stuff. That, that's, I want to be clear. I do not like AI art. I'm not saying that like you should do this. I'm saying that that is like the application that is probably the most, the closest I could come to agreeing with the idea of it is that. And even then, it's like if indie people are using it, then why wouldn't the large company use it? Because of right. course they want to cut the costs and they'll make loads off of it. So no, I mean, I don't like the concept of it, but I see why they want to. I just don't, I hope that they don't go down that path. All right. I floated, I floated the idea like months ago about us uh, playing a duel with AI generated Yu-Gi-Oh cards. It never came together, but the few times I ran chat GPT to see what it could come up with, I was horrified. Yeah, so. Chat GPT doesn't know anything about Yu-Gi-Oh. Don't don't get don't let those generative messages like fool you. It doesn't know anything. I mean, Yu-Gi-Oh is so specific; it's kind of hard to. I would think like you could teach it problem-solving card text, and that wouldn't fix anything. It just wouldn't. So, um, yeah, there's that. All right, well, I've got a story. What you got? 
Nintendo confirms original Mario voice actor Charles Martinet is stepping back from recording. Who is that? So Charles Martinet, I'm sorry you don't know him, is the voice of Mario. Yeah, Nintendo has confirmed that Charles Martinet, the original voice actor of Mario, who's played the character since 1991, will be stepping back from recording character voices for our games and will now serve as a Mario ambassador. So fans can expect a special video message from Shigeru Miyamoto, the creator of Mario, and Martinet to arrive at a later date. So yeah, basically he has voiced Mario as far back as like Super Mario 64. So no more, ha, ha, yippee. Well, I mean, they're going to have a new voice actor that's going to replace him. like, huh, huh, yippee. Yeah. So um, it's been an honor working with Charles to help bring Mario to life for so many years. We want to thank and celebrate him. So uh, (gasps) what if Chris Pratt voices Mario now? Oh, dear. I know people would hate that. Although one fun fact is that actually in that Super Mario movie, he voices Mario's dad, Charles Martinet. Uh, oh yeah Mario and Luigi's dad is voiced by Charles Barnett that might actually be his last recording of a Mario character which would kind of be a little bit like symbolic because he voices Mario's dad shed a tear. so we don't know who voices Mario in that upcoming game is Super Mario um, Wonder so it's already confirmed he's not in that well they haven't confirmed or denied that he's oh, done because okay. he might have already recorded all the voice clips for that game who knows but certainly like moving forward he will not be um, doing Mario's voice so I'm kind of curious who they'll have replace him. I think that it'll be someone who's so damn close you won't be able to tell. I mean, this is Nintendo. They've got... Then they announced the next Mario game has full voice acting. Lord. Now, here's something interesting, too, is what, I'm, what I was wondering. So he also voices Luigi. Huh. And Wario. And Waluigi. Oh, okay. He's the whole cast. And even, like, baby Mario and stuff. So, like, the fact that he voices all those characters means... Is the person that they replace him with going to also voice them all, or are they going to get like separate voice actors for like Wario and Waluigi and stuff? I feel like you could get separate people at that point because finding one person to voice all those—maybe it's not hard, but to me it sounds hard. Yeah, so I thought that was kind of cool. It's kind of one of those like things that almost feels like uh, you know when like Ash and the original Pokemon like an anime kind of was ending and everybody was like sentimental about it. It's kind of like the same vibe. You know, like just a, a end of an era type of thing. When Mario's voice changed. Like, I don't use this word often, but I think that this guy is uh, kind of goaded. Like, Mario's voice? Yeah, he, he doesn't say that word often. I'm laughing because he doesn't say that I don't, word I don't often. like words like that. But, I mean, but like, I, I can't, like, that's a really, like, the voice of Mario. All right, but so yeah, Mario doesn't talk that much. I mean. I mean. So... Anyway, I thought that was kind of a neat little story. Uh, nothing super major, but definitely Super Mario. Boom. Sorry, what's your next story? It took me a moment to realize what you said. And I think that that's that, it was a good one, somewhat. <laughs> All right, so uh, this one, I just brought this up because this is, this is a device that to this day, I think we talked about it before, Still not, I'm still not sure why it exists. Um so Sony has named their uh, Project Q device. Oh yeah, I remember. It that. is now called PlayStation Portal. That is their handheld streaming device where you can stream from your PlayStation Five to this handheld. You know, in your house with your Wi-Fi, and not leave your house because then you don't have Wi-Fi anymore, and then it's useless. Right. So you have to use it in your house, the same house where you have your PlayStation Five. Any other details? Uh, and it will be $200. Hmm. Okay, well, there's one surprise. 
I'm not gonna lie. I thought this shit was gonna cost 300 bucks. If it costs any more than that, I would say that it's completely just DOA. Have they given a use case yet? No, that's up for us to figure out. I just, uh, I still don't understand this product. Like, I, I read a little bit about this headline. Um, not all, like, I didn't see the price. So, two hundred dollars is an interesting one. They said that it's basically like a dual sense controller or whatever, and that like it has the same like haptics and the the trigger it's thing. Got an and eight all inch that. Uh, LCD screen or what, LED. Do we know the LCD. resolution on that? Is it like ten eighty p? I can check if they put if it in. Said that at all? Let's see. Because I'm like, maybe that ten eighty p. Okay, that's decent. Um, sixty frames or capable okay. of sixty frames. I mean, that's cool. Uh, I just don't know the use case. I did read something weird about it though. What's that, that makes it even more weird as a product to me. It does not support Bluetooth. Like what are the, what are the head? What are, what is the? Did they come does, out with the pulse? Uh, I'm getting to that. It doesn't support Bluetooth, and it doesn't have a headphone jack. So the only headphones that it supports are like those Sony proprietary, like two hundred dollar or however much they are, like the pulses, pulse earbuds, something like that. Oh wow! I guess the only audio solution that it supports. So that's even more confusing and also how makes do, it a terrible value prop to me. How now. does it connect to the pulse if it doesn't have Bluetooth? Some special magic that only Sony knows. All right, Sony. Presumably. I don't know. I mean All right, we need to talk. what is this? I mean, like, I don't know. Let me <laughs> let me look up uh there, there might be like more that more to it than that. Um what's it called? The like, Sony uh PlayStation Portal. And okay. the earbuds are the uh something pulse. Yeah, they're the I'm, Pulse Explore wireless earbuds. There's also a Pulse Elite wireless headset. Wait, okay, someone says it does have a wired. Okay, it has a wired headphone jack. It just okay. doesn't have, does not have Bluetooth. That's weak. That's so weak for your okay. handheld device that you're supposed to be able to walk around your house with. All right, well, you know, the same house that you have a PlayStation in that you could just be sitting in front of playing your game. I don't understand. I just don't get this. Like, I. I don't know. Um, I guess maybe it depends on like where you keep your PlayStation, right? So like, I know I keep my PlayStation in my living room, but if I want to play a game in my bedroom, you know, I wouldn't be able to do that. So maybe I buy this two hundred dollar handheld so that I can walk past my living room and go to my room and play my PlayStation. Strangely, the one hundred ninety nine. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. I saw, I saw this thing that just. Blows my mind. Strangely, the one nine 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 handheld won't work with Sony's upcoming cloud streaming for PS5 games. Yeah, so I heard, they say I heard that games too. that must be streamed on PS5 using a PS Plus premium membership are not compatible. So the games you had to stream, you can't stream to your remote play streaming device. What the hell is this stupid thing? We I, don't know. I just don't. This is sorry if I'm being a little irritable and catty. I, I, maybe it's the Yu-Gi-Oh rant that just put me on edge, but like. It can use that... Pl- okay, it says PlayStation Link wireless technology. That's a proprietary standard for PlayStation devices. PlayStation Link is just for the audio thing. It's designed to deliver low latency, lossless audio, and Sony is also launching a wireless headset and buds that support PlayStation Link. So you can use their specialized piece of technology. So they're really trying to muscle out like the Android and kind of like generic accessories that people normally use with their PlayStation products. Sounds like it. Hey, guys, you know, the Xbox is actually, you know, it's a pretty good value, I've heard. <sighs> I think this is the most bizarre product, and I, 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 I'm not saying I'm rooting against this product. I'm saying that if you buy it, 
Man, you'd be the only person in the comments mm. of that article that I read I just, who I don't isn't really... rooting against it. All right, here. I'm going to take a glass half full approach. Prove to me where the value in Pot this is. Full? Pot half full <laughs> approach. Prove to me, Sony, where the value prop is. If, if this comes out and people somehow like it or something that it offers and I'm like missing the point, let me know in the comments or maybe I'll read the reviews. I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't get why this exists. I did read one guy said that uh, he liked use. He this is in the past. He had a, a PlayStation Vita that he streamed his PlayStation Four from, and he liked you know to take his Vita to bed and stream his PlayStation. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it still feels like such an extremely niche case, especially given that the Vita is a standalone handheld yeah. that can play other games and you can leave the house with it. This thing. Doesn't yeah, do like, anything else. Like, it's nice. I just, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, um, cool. I mean, like, good for them. Hopefully, if you guys are excited about this and you plan to spend your 200 bucks plus your money for your links. And you need to save that money so you can buy cards at your LGS. Right. Any other stories? No, let's get to the pot. Let's get to the pot. All right. Let me shake it up. We have a brand new batch of questions because we actually only recently asked you guys for some. So these are fresh. Well, there's also some older ones in there too. They might not be as good. Oh well, <laughs> we've got some fresh, uh, some fresh material inside of our pot. All right, let's see what we got here. Oh no, don't fall apart. Thank you. Yeah. Ah. Oh god. Oh, you dropped it. Oh god, I don't even know where it went. Oh lord. Uh, uh, you know what? You know what? I'm just gonna pull a new one. Okay. I'm gonna add that one back to the pot, guys. I'm not going to lose that question. Okay. Okay. Oh wow! This is this one's funny because this one was directed to me. Okay. And so I figured that if you pulled this one, you just have to hand me this card. But instead, I got it. It was a fifty-fifty, so I guess not too bad. All right. Anyway, it says Alec, how would you recommend the Digimon TCG or the Card Fight Vanguard TCG to TCG players? Are you so, recommend it? Yeah. Okay. You know, like what? What would I? How would I promote these games? Oh, you got the stage. Go on. All right. So, Sell them to me. <laughs> so Digimon is very much a, it's a card game for people who like to, who enjoy being able to take their turns, and not have to like pause for your opponent to react to every little thing that you do. Only in this very most recent release has Digimon given your opponent. Any ability to like make plays during your turn, so that's just uh, that's really that's just not a thing in Digimon. Also, it's if you are a fan of the Digimon franchise in any way, whether that be one of the animes, the games, anything, it's the entire TCG is a love letter to the franchise. Each set is like each set is themed and supporting like some part of. Digimon. We had an entire set that supported the Tamers anime. We've had sets that support specific Digimon video games. And just because you may not be familiar with that aspect of the franchise doesn't mean you can't use the cards. They work just as well, and they might even introduce you to parts of the franchise you've never seen before. Now, Card Fight Vanguard. Now, this game is a this is a game for people who re- who want to get a little competitive. Digimon can get competitive, but I think Vanguard is much more mature of a game 
where there's real value in like quickly getting up to speed and getting into the competitive scene as fast as you can. Vanguard's the type of game where you don't mind a little luck. And I say that all card games have to have luck, right? But Vanguard, it's almost specifically about luck. So they used to have to draw your grades in Vanguard. Grades are the levels your Vanguard evolves into to get stronger and to progress your game to progress your game. They removed that bit of luck because there are times where your opponent would draw their grade to upgrade their Vanguard and you wouldn't. And then it felt like the game was just a wash. So they made that easier. They removed that chance. But what Vanguard does have is the trigger system, which I think is so much fun and nonsense. You have crit triggers that allow your your uh, your monsters, creatures, I forget what you call them in, in Vanguard. Anyway, you let, you let your guys do extra damage. You have draw triggers that let you draw extra cards. You have heal triggers that let you heal off damage. And you draw these triggers when you attack with your creatures or monsters, whatever you want to call them. So Vanguard is this, it's kind of, it feels very aggressive because you're drawing cards from the top of your deck when you attack. Then those cards can immediately activate to do a thing. When you deal damage to your opponent, they're checking cards from the top of their deck. And then those cards can trigger as well as like a defensive action to try and counterplay what you're doing. But you do not know like when they're going to happen. There are strategies that let you kind of mess around the probability of seeing uh, triggers. But I think Vanguard is very much the competitive gambler's game. Like, you you really want to, if you really like doing the math and you're comfortable with kind of playing in the gray area of things, like, Vanguard, that's your game. Yeah, cool. Um, so, between the two, which one would you pick? For who? Yourself. For me? Um, Digimon is just more near, dear, and to my heart than Vanguard. Mm-hmm. Take nothing away from it. Vanguard actually has a great anime. Uh, was it Overdress, which I think is now called Will Dress, something like that. Anyway, Vanguard's quite good, but uh, I choose to play Digimon right now. Cool. Sounds like a good sales pitch to me. All right, well, my card says, <laughs> easy, favorite Yu-Gi-Oh video game? Oh, okay. Master Duel. Wow. Not a really boring answer. I think if I had to leave that one out, uh, there, I mean, uh, I think I liked, I remember liking Tag Force on PSP, mm-hmm. played a good bit of that, and there was actually one I played on, like, Game Boy, maybe Color Advance, um, I didn't, I'm not gonna lie, for as much as I've liked Yu-Gi-Oh!, I've never actually cared loads for the video games, like, all too much, they've never been my favorite part of Yu-Gi-Oh!, so, but it was probably one of those, I guess. Fair. Something I feel like I missed out on was uh, Duels of the Roses. So that actually brings me to my answer to that question. So typically, or at least um, let's say six years ago, my answer was Duels of the Roses. It was that game had such fond memories from me and my brother playing through the game that we loved Duels of the Roses. I think that was hands down our favorite game. But. Um, some years ago, when we decided to replay it for the channel, 
I discovered that Duelist of the Roses is actually a very difficult game. And I have no idea how I just played it and had fun as a kid when as, as an adult, I struggled to beat the very first opponent. So my answer has now changed to uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! Capsule Monsters Coliseum, which is a bit newer than uh, Duelist of the Roses. Uh, I, in my opinion, it's a little bit easier. And... Uh, yeah, I would say a Capsule Monster Coliseum is my favorite game. Yeah, I I would say um, Yu-Gi-Oh video games have never been like outright amazing, but it is nice that there were some that kind of have memories for people. Like I remember the Game Boy Color game I got. I think I got like from a friend or from like a pawn shop. I definitely don't remember like just outright like having it given to me by my parents. Mm-hmm. So I don't know exactly how I got a hold of it, but I remember that was kind of the story with that. And so I played it, and I was. Struggling because it was one of those games where, like, they start you off with, like, monsters that have, like, six, 700 attack points. Yeah. That's, like, your whole deck. And then, like, give the base Kaiba, and he, like, on his first, like, his second turn, he summons something with, like, 1,800 attack, and you just have to, like, struggle. It's very, you know, weird. Uh, honorable mention for least favorite worst Yu-Gi-Oh game was that freaking Wheelie Breakers game. Oh, see, that was my honorable mention for Our favorite. Wii. That game was horrible. It's so terrible. <laughs> It's uh, the Mario Kart. It's a Yu-Gi-Oh! 5D's Wheelie Breakers. It's the Mario Kart of uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! But that's giving it way too yeah, much credit. generous. Mario Kart is actually a good franchise. Um, Wheelie Breakers could have been good, but it just had so many uh, issues. Yeah, so... But it had the, the way you used your cards in Wheelie Breakers was novel, if only the rest of it was better. Yeah, kind of an <laughs> awful game, really. But, um, yeah, my current favorite actual game, it's just Master Duel. I know it's like a boring answer, so. Wait, but it's your answer. But it is Speak my favorite. your truth. I think that the main thing that they did good with Master Duel is just the presentation is just so spot on. Like It's a clean game. It's a clean-looking game. The sound effects, the music. Hey, one, one small critique had this feature. I forgot to put this in the last little Duelist survey thing that they had in-game. Let us choose our music. Please. Oh, Let yeah. He's a, always complaining about they, that. They lock the music to the dual field. But it's your opponent's, it's your opponent's dual, dual field. field. And every new dual field that they've added since release hasn't had its own unique soundtrack. So it defaults to, like, one of the two ones it seems to just switch between. So basically, whenever you're, like, laddering in PvP, there's only, like, two, maybe three different themes you'll ever hear. And, like, it's kind of boring. So they just need to, like... Just change that one feature. I'll, I'll be happy forever. Yeah, you don't have the band and upgrade C. the Gear Town Dual Field. Why? Yeah, yeah, it's the yeah, it's the Gear Town. Make dual it look field. clean. That's the one that plays the song I like, but nobody uses the Gear Town field because it's like old. I want to see little ancient gears moving around, and and it's it's the Gear Town. Why is it dead? So, yep. All right. Anyway. All right. Number two. Oh, that was by the way the card that you. Oh, you got it. Yeah, I don't know if you want to do that or not. Okay, let's see. All right. Have you ever written or read Yu-Gi-Oh! fan fiction? An interesting question. Well, this one's actually very easy for me. Okay. Uh, No. I've never written or read Yu-Gi-Oh! fan fiction. I wouldn't even know where to go to read it. I haven't either, as it happens. Um, I thought you said you've read fan fiction before. I have read fan fiction before, not Yu-Gi-Oh! fan fiction. Oh. I mean, I, I don't know. So Yu-Gi-Oh for me was never that much about the characters and stuff, and I assume that that's what like fan fiction would be about. I mean, that's true. So I never. Then, really it's, read like, then that. again, it's about like Celtic Guardian. Now I will say, as a kid, like a very young kid, I would think of duels in my head. 
Like I would make like kind of just episodes or scenarios in my head when I was like just outside riding my bike. You needed to write that. But I didn't like, but I didn't have internet. The streets was looking for this. Yeah, but I, so I didn't do, I didn't like write any fan fiction, but like I would just imagine duels. Like in this episode, some person showed up and stole Taya's deck and now she has to use someone else's deck and duel to get it back. Like it would be. Oh just, man, you really plotted this out. Yeah, there would be like crazy little scenarios, but it wasn't. So I guess that counts as fan fiction. Then yeah, I guess I've thought of dual scenarios, but I have not put any of it to paper, and I have not looked up Yu-Gi-Oh fan fiction. You've so. done more than me. My one ex- my one experience with fan fiction went very wrong Uh-oh. because what was it? It was uh, it was X Men fan fiction, but I stopped reading it when Wolverine licked Lady Deathstrike's blood and said yummy. Okay, I can't imagine it. At that point, I, I just stopped there. I was like, I don't know what, I don't even like blood. I'm not in all that. I, I just I stopped. That all right, I'll it. pull my next card, the final card. Guys, let me know if you've seen that fan fiction. I'm, I don't want to finish it, just to be clear. I do not. I do not. Will we see the rest of APS on the pod? Um, Not super likely. Only because but, this space, I don't even know how we'd fit many people. But, you know, Konami devs, you want to come on, we'll find a way to put some yeah. chairs in. And- um, mostly just because, like, we kind of started the podcast just as a thing with just us. Because we are the most, like, we just talk about Yu-Gi-Oh! all the time. We're the most anyway. present. Yeah. So we always have something to say about it. Um, I mean, like, if there's enough demand, I wouldn't mind, like... We could have them, like, sit down at our Yeah, feet, someone can, like, like sit children. and just, yeah... But probably not much. Not to say they won't like just like be on the channel and stuff, but like, you know, podcast wise, unlikely. Also, like most people are just very busy. And you know, we not only never really talked about this, but you know, the pod of greed. You know, it was it was never really supposed to be a like Yu Gi Oh podcast. We just wanted to talk about things that things we were interested in. That's why we keep bringing in stories about AI and, and like tech some stuff. tech products. Because uh, you know, we while we do love Yu Gi Oh, we love many things, and so. We, we named the Pot of Greed because it was just too hard to pass it up. I mean, mm-hmm. it, was, it was too good of a name. Yeah. So that's, um you know, never say never. You might see somebody who knows. But um, sit them right on the floor. Yeah, I guess that's it for this week's pod. Yeah, guys. Thank you for tuning in this week. What'd you think of the stories? What'd you think of the our takes and opinions on them? I know that the spicy story of the week is the kind of card shop player konami trilogy saga whatever you know yeah, let us know if your card shop goes on Yu-Gi-Oh strike yeah and if a konami employee wants to show up and defend themselves yeah we'll pull up a chair we'll gladly uh yeah. we'll lend you a microphone you can have your we'll keep uh, you off camera just you see speaking to them there's a voice changer as well yeah we'll do we'll do the full night we'll okay, give you, you a vtuber get, model yeah that's right <laughs> it's okay you won't get in trouble we promise All right, well, that's going to be it. We'll see you guys next week, and stay tuned. We're going to try to uh, think up something fun to maybe do for the 20th episode of the Pod of Green. I promise you, it'll be more lit than the 25th anniversary. It's not a high bar to clear. All right, (laughs) we'll see you guys the next one. Past Past turn. turn.